Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Discussion Phase, our board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. On today's episode, Matthew and I have a lot of catching up to do, and then we're going to talk about our ideal player count for some of our favorite games. So stay tuned. Stick around, and as always, buckle up. So, Matthew. Yes, Brady. We've got a little bit of explaining to do. I know. It's, we've uh, had a little bit of a two-week hiatus. Yeah. Um, our man, Brady, has come down with the COVID for about the 10th time now. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. But we, I, the, ten, the other ones were false alarms. False alarms. Which a lot of people got false alarms. Yeah. You, still, Every, you still went through the whole quarantining thing. Yeah, I remember yeah, you, yeah. you went almost a month. Of back to back, yeah, yeah. People and telling I, you and to I expose hate you it, to it, but this time um, was a real deal. Was a real deal, and uh, and it was it was okay. I I was fine for the most part. There there were a few days that uh, were pretty rough, but um, nothing too serious. But what it did mean was I uh, spent a good amount of time by myself, and I like people i like my friends a lot and so spending time locked up at my house by myself just you and the cats yeah just me and the cats my wife even um, kind of conveniently was out of town that uh for a while um and so she she still has not like shown any symptoms or anything so that's great um but we um went ahead and forwent for forgoed the the podcast for a couple weeks yeah, but it's good to be back, and it's our fortieth episode. It's kind of crazy how fast uh, it flies by. Like if you just ask, "Hey, how many episodes have we done for the podcast?" Um, I would have to sit and think about it for a little yeah. bit. But yeah, no, we started you, first week of January. Yeah, um, when you said our fortieth episode, I was I was kind of taken aback because we I don't know in our naming scheme. I should probably know this as the executive producer of our podcast, um, but we don't really like tag the episode. Uh, number in our podcast title or do we yeah. we do yeah as the as the co-producer who publishes the episode yes we do have numbers attached okay, to yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah we have numbers in our dates and right, everything right, attached right, to right, it right, yeah, yeah. yeah. so we're hitting 40 because we're professionals professionals yeah yeah and so it, yeah it's exciting you know we keep going um and we enjoy it so we definitely have a lot to catch up with and uh we've got it in a bunch of new games played uh brady's gotten some i've gotten some in we're waiting till we've gotten both of us have played it to kind of talk about it more one of those being kanban ev uh one of my, my first uh lacerta games that i've played i know brady has played some others like on mars um but this one was phenomenal i won't go into it in too much detail um, but this game just sung and it is sore to the top of my yep. list uh, I'm, for I'm immersive games. And so we, I want you to get it played. Uh, John has played it. Uh, Jacob has played it. They've both uh, loved it. Uh, I played it twice now. Um, the second game was even better than the first. And so I'm really excited for you to get to play because I know your first game of On Mars was a daunting experience um, <laughs> to say the least you can you this is i just i've never played on mars but just looking at it this is this is significant well, i want to say significant but very noticeably not on that echelon of everything going on in complexity but it is yeah. still very rich and still very uh, mechanically sound in what it's doing and it's um we talk about all the time about theme being able to explain your rules with real world explanations of why this is going on 
and this game just is at a 10 out of 10. I, I realize all the sort of games are, but you don't really understand it until you until you play it. Mm. So I'm excited for you to try that one out. Yeah, the box looked interesting. We did just, um, and I, I did miss out on a lot of gaming. We we did just get back from our annual like sort of family friends retreat, um, cabin trip, board game trip, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Hills uh, of North Carolina. Yeah, and uh, we had played uh, like some Euro. I think it was a Gizia, and I was like, "Wow, it feels good to like get a Euro in." And then the rest of the group was like. What do you mean? That's all we've been playing the last two weeks. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't been there. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, yeah. So I recently had a huge board game haul. It's like, you know what? I've had these games on my want to buy list. A lot of them were on a sale. And obviously if you buy usually a hundred, $125 plus at some of these, uh, you know, board gaming stores online that you get free shipping. So I'm like, they got a lot of sales on these. So I'm going to get them. And so I picked up, I think six or seven games. I picked up easiest shifting sand, uh, New Frontiers, which is the board game version of all the Roll and Race for the Galaxy. I know you've been very hesitant on those um, games in the past. I really do think this is a different experience that you legitimately like to, might um, enjoy. And that's the reason I like to pick these games up, because I think you all will enjoy them. Yeah. Does uh, it, does it, and I know looks on everything, but it, does it look like someone um, did the graphic design with like paint from 2000, from the year 2000? on the cover where it's like the most basic iconography no. ever. No, I, I think the art, I mean, you can definitely tell the art is still in the same family, but I think it is specifically focused for a more wider audience of people okay. than a very niche uh, game, which I enjoy role for the galaxy. We talked about before games that I warmed up on, uh, but I think this game presents a lot more information to you than having a man. I've got to play this game six times before I know what I'm doing. You have a lot more information just present out there to make your decisions with instead yeah. of, everything coming to you randomly uh, with it. So I picked up, yeah, Agizia Shifting Sand, New Frontiers. I picked up um, um, Rajas of the Ganges, which is a dice worker placement manipulation game with a bunch of different tracks. Um, that's going to be interesting for us to try out. I also picked up Merv, Merchant of the Silk Road, uh, which kind of been on the hotness list for new uh, games that's been released this year that are Euros. Um, I've also picked up Archipelago, which is a little bit older of a game. Oh, I am interested in and playing archipelago yeah and so it's one that i've always been Matthew, so interested you went, in you went on a spree there yeah i didn't know this yeah i picked up archipelago and i think there were some other ones that i picked up some anno 1800 i picked up as well the newest uh, one of the newest games from Mar uh, martin wallace based on the video game and it is literally all about i wouldn't say tech tree um but your goal is to build these, uh, fulfill these objective cards, and they all have like item requirements. And you have this player board with different spots where you can put industries in it. But your car says, man, I need a fur coat. But before you get the fur coat, you have to build the um, leather making shop. But before you get the leather making shop, you have to get this. So it's like, I know I have this goal, but I had to like pull three different levers and get all these different resources huh. okay. to get the different resource to get it. Completing gold cards, expanding out your player board, optimizing your it's not worker placement it's worker assignment so you have like four or five different classes of workers of different strengths to activate locations okay and once they're used you have to kind of do a rest action to reset them so there's a lot of options there um i also picked up with scythe the modular board uh for it because i know one of the biggest complaints matthew uh, what is what are people going to get you for christmas i know you just went out and got everything. I did. And we're going to have to put in, that just means we're going to have to put in work. 
over the next couple months. Sometimes you have to be your own Santa Claus. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I know we've talked a lot about sometimes the only complaint that pe- literally that people in our group have had with Scythe is just the player experience and this disparity in that uh, of like, especially like Steven and I, we played so much and there's so much online digital that we were very familiar with optimized setups for each faction um, and your like starting boards and stuff because every faction starts at the same location. Um, and I know that with the Fenris expansion, I know you have the, mo- you could technically rotate everything, but the modular board just means every single time you play your starting region, the resources on them and stuff are different. And so like you draft, like once you get your factions, then you kind of draft where you want to start based on what you want to do with your faction. So I think that may put a little more life uh, into the game because I know a lot of y'all enjoy it. Yeah. It's just that disparity in player it, experience with it. Yeah, it just hurts a lot. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've gotten a bunch of a bunch of games there. And so we're gonna, you know, be uh, diving into more of those in the coming weeks and stuff. So we'll have plenty of reviews on all of those for you. But yeah. uh, one of the ones we did get played though was Agizia's Shifting Sands. Uh, we actually played it twice in the same day. Yes. Uh, uh, at different player counts. At different player counts. Which was a totally different experience which yeah. we'll get into a little bit later but anyways but do you more... want to get so we can give kind of our reviews essentially on Agizi because we were mentioning either our last episode on the podcast or the episode before about the concept in a game to where in Gizia we have boats we're merchants and we're going down the Nile and along the river of the Nile from the top to the bottom of the board there are different worker placement spots uh, the stipulation is you could take one of your boats we have eight of them you can go anywhere on the Nile you want to anywhere at all you want to and place your boat as long as there's no one else there only one person per location the trick is you can never go above unless you there are some special little abilities in the game very limited but 99 percent of the time you can never put a boat higher up on the river than you just went down and that is just such a simple yet yeah uh, interesting and takedo deal yeah there's so much tension with that decision because it's all about what do i think my opponents are going to do and is that place I really want to go to going to still be available next time? So probably maybe I'll take not. something else. Or, yeah, probably not. So you know what? It's all about prioritizing what do I need, what yeah. I think my opponents need, and is it still going to be there for me if I try to stay, take it slow and go to every spot? Yeah. And some for in, in both of our games, you know, it's different times. Some people just, you know what, I'm just going to go slow, and I'm just going to do as many actions as I can to try to optimize. Or do I need to just prioritize? I need this action because it is vital to my game. Yeah. So the main and I per- love that I love that mechanism. This is one of my favorite. I don't know if there's like a technical term for this. You know? <sighs> I don't know that it's there just is. It's like the, it's the track pl- that you go down that you can never go back on. Yeah, well, Tokaido, it, yeah Francis Drake has it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a rondelle, I guess, like in, you know, in Great Western Trail sure. and all those, you can't go back. But this one just feels different. Down. Yeah. But yeah, this one feels different down. because, you know, in a lot of those, you know, you you know, you can only go so much. And so you're not looking at the entire board. It's like, man, I can only go one, two, or three spaces. Um, and then you know your opponents can only go one, two, three spaces, so they're behind you. And so, like, you have a lot more safety. This is, like, everything is up for grabs. What yeah. are you willing to do? And so the main concept is you're trying to increase the strength of your crew on your player board, increase your stone quarry production, and have a reserve there so that you can spend your crew strength and your stone to build up either an obelisk, the palisades, statues, or pyramid. They all have different scoring opportunities, um, different in-game objectives. Some of them, if you build up enough on them, uh, give you passive abilities or once per round or once per game powerful abilities. Um, And there's also Sphinx with in-game scoring cards. And so that's the main objective, but you're also trying to get your wheat production up to feed. Yes, uh, and that's another interesting... uh, Feed your crew. Like side 
mechanism in this game is there it is a feed your people um type of game but it feels different yeah it is different um and there there you can get these production cards that can give you so much wheat um but there's three seasons of production cards i guess or three types of them there's like uh, green ones which i guess are like spring um there's yellow ones which are all whatever those are and then there's like desert ones which i guess are just drought ones maybe yeah because um, there's an irrigation track yes uh and there's three spheres um there's a all green there's one in the middle that's green and yellow and there's one at the top that's green yellow and red so wherever the irrigation ring on one of those three spheres is which cards are allowed to produce and yes. so you could like Brady, very important yeah because you can play it safe. you found out yeah because <laughs> if you play it safe and always get green cards no matter where the irrigation cycle is you'll always have food you'll always have food and that's thing, my type of strategy the thing is right they there. produce the least amount of food so if you want to be efficient and take fewer actions and have more yield you have to take the higher risk production cards either the yellow which have two times that they'll produce or the red which only has one which only have one but there is a lot of work replacement actions that allow you to manipulate that and so you know if you're the player like brady who's always playing it very very conservative because yes. what happens if for every i week, can't handle matthew pulling it over on me yeah and matthew will for every and i will yeah for every one week you you can't pay that's three points and Nagizia, that is that can be huge yeah um, so and, tell them about your experience where all of your people starve to death yeah and so you know <laughs> if you're just wanting like i did i was just getting the biggest ones i could and so i wanted the irrigation to be out the red uh or the yellow but brady you know he really didn't have much motivation for his own benefit to change it, but he's like, why am I going to let these people who are high risk takers yes. not have any of the risk? I'm um, playing it safe. I'm being a responsible ruler over my people. Yeah. And so he, at the very end of the very last round, he moved the irrigation cycle to green and there were 11, I was 11 weeks short because I hadn't hardly any green. And we have one of the tracks you can go up in the game is your market so if you are short, it doesn't cost you as much to get more wheat to yeah. feed your people. And Matthew so was not I lost mentor. 33 points, uh, which is which is ridiculous. It's probably um, one of the biggest, lesson learned. Uh, biggest like take that moments. We I think we've probably ever had. I mean, losing 33 points in that game was devastating. Yeah. And it definitely lost you the game. But you actually weren't terribly far. I behind. was only I wasn't that far behind you. I, I think it was because you like you for the for the entire game had been using like the you know the red higher producing things where I had been like slowly yeah. accumulating. Yeah. Cause you don't, which is amazing about it. Each round, you're not guaranteed a certain number of actions necessary, depending on how you want to yeah. play it. Um, because you know, they give you, it's deceptive because they give you, I think eight little ships, which theoretically is yeah. eight actions. But the but, thing is you can't go above where you've been before. Yeah. And so I remember the last, the last round of our second game. Um, I only used four of them because I just shot, really far down the river yeah. to make sure I get what they I want. those hot spots. And the thing is, I love this game because each round is his it's own unique pace because whoever's going first or second and they set the pace, you're like, okay. Because it all depends on how these cards come out. Sometimes all the good cards are at the bottom of the river. Some of them are at the top. Um, and so it just puts a rush in a pace. But you know what? I would rather take four very good actions than take five or a six few, mediocre okay, yeah. actions because it can really make all the difference um, for getting bonuses up on tracks and stuff like that. Um, but I love it for, I think it, I wouldn't call this a heavy game at all. Medium, maybe slightly above medium weight complexity. Um, but it's all about creating your own strategy, every game based on what you're presented with. 
Yeah. Um, so I don't know. For I don't know what your thoughts are. For me, I absolutely love it, and I feel like it's a game that has a lot of replayability because every time you play it, there's different goals, different objectives, different yeah. little bonuses out and there. It's like it's simple enough. Um, and I, you know, there's I think in our group we have the this mad expansion effect where we want we're like, oh, that was a great game. Let's add a million things to it. And I I'm kind of like getting over that at this point. Um, where it, if it's a solid game, I'm kind of like okay with it just remaining that solid game. Yeah, I mean, this is a game your focus is on optimizing, not adding more. Like yeah. with a game like uh, Lost Runes of Arnak, we're all super excited for the expansion because yes. in the base game, there isn't that replay optimization threshold with very much of a threshold there. Because with the Gizzi Shifting Sand, every game based on we're going to talk about player count or with um, just how the cards come out or whatever you're feeling like going and doing or maybe some objective cards that you get from the Sphinx early on. Uh, kind of like with Great Western Trail. Like, um, we all know the rules. We all know the tiles that are out there. We all know general strategies, but every game is slightly different based on what's out there and every player is doing things a little bit differently every single game. Uh, so I think this is definitely going to be kind of a, a game that we keep around and are, and it plays pretty quick too. Yeah. Like yep. we last game, we were like, did we skip around? Uh, because yeah. we're going in, um, we were like, no, it's just, it seems. I was not, I was 100% certain we skipped around at one point. I'm like, there is no way we've gotten this far. But then you kind of look at the board and it's like mostly filled out. And you're like, oh, yeah. And it, it's a, it's a 60. I don't even know if it, we, I don't, I mean, I think maybe 60 to nine minute, but I don't see it hitting 90 minutes on, oh, yeah, on no. a game. We played it, in about an hour, hour 15. Yeah. Which is a it, great it's a time. Perfect great time, time. And you're, you're satisfied with constant, you're constantly engaged. Yeah. There's not, and you're agonizing the whole, even when it's not your turn, you're agonizing going, please don't take that spot. Yeah. Cause you're like, what that. are you going to take? And these are my, I'm going to go next. And so you're constantly engaged with your opponent's actions. And even though there may be a minute or so, because usually people know what they want to do. So sometimes there is, and maybe at the very beginning when we each round when we see what cards are out there, we're all looking at that, taking yeah. a minute to decide. But the it sings, it's really clean, it's clear. Um, they maybe could have put a little bit clear definition, but the rule book is really good with yeah. reference. Except for the stuff. fact that it's from Stronghold Games, and on the front cover or the back, the cover, back cover or whatever it is, is a giant ad for Terraforming Mars, yeah. which makes the... Um, makes the rule book look like the Terraforming Mars rule book, and we happen to also had have Terraforming Mars at the cabin, and some bozo I don't know who it was set that rule book on the Terraforming Mars box face so, down, so the Terraforming Mars logo and all of its iconography. So we are looking, we're flipping this cabin upside down, trying to find the Agizia rule book when it's just sitting right beside us on the terraforming mars box the whole time i almost lost my mind when we figured that, that out <laughs> yeah oh my goodness it was it was silly because most of like <laughs> and they were saying david david was telling us um that you know most times on the front of every rule book is almost a verbatim kind of copy of yes. the front graphics of the of the board game stronghold um, yeah strong, what, what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing Come to on, me people we wasted time on it um but i'm really excited for having this game as part of the collection kind of going forward and yeah throwing it at that mix super of Euros. solid i, I kind of put this in the same wheelhouse maybe a, this one's probably a little easier than zulkin like something plays fairly quickly very engaging the whole time yeah 
Same yeah. thing. Uh, real quick, kind of before we kind of get into our main topic about optimal player accounts and everything, Geezy is kind of a game that spawned this because we played our first game at three players and second game at four players, and there was a vast difference in player experience with that. Um, but, Brady, have you been keeping an eye on a lot of stuff kind of coming out with either on GameFound or I know a lot of people have been showing Essen previews. I know some of us are going to PAX Unplugged the second week end of, of November, um, so we probably want to probably – going to put maybe a special episode of the podcast in for our kind of follow-up and review and stuff from PAX. But have you been keeping up with stuff? I know one big one, Lords of Ragnarok, uh, just dropped on GameFound. Have you had a chance to take a look at that at all? Um, I did take a little bit of a look at it. You you and David and probably John at this point are the hype guys. You guys are the ones that like go out and find all the new exciting things and then send them to us to tempt us into spending our hard-earned dollars on these ridiculous Kickstarter expansions and whatnot. So no, I haven't been looking um, too hard and I've been pretty, pretty busy with just work and school and COVID and all that stuff. Yeah, it is. It continually blows my mind how they're able to take the miniature quality to the next level. Every single game uh, with Awakened Realms, these miniatures look amazing. I mean, it just, there's, I don't know know how you get better. How much is bad boy? going to cost um a base pledge uh for the core box just core box and stretch goals by itself is 115 um but i don't think that includes like the terrain expansion or some upgraded components and so unplayable yeah so i don't think it's going to be ridiculous because one this is obviously kind of a spiritual successor to lords of hells which is a game that we've all really wanted to like more because we we yeah, can tell yeah, there's yeah. stuff there, but there's just some really big imbalances or frustrations that we had with it. Some things that they've done to help offset that, uh, they made it a goal to get monuments to be the focus in building the monuments and seeing them a so priority. Are, are, in the game. are there a significant amount of rules changes to the new one? Yeah. So uh, how you take actions, the focus on monuments, how monsters work are all different. Um, the area you control and combat the, um, is a little bit reworked as well. Um, because what you'd have instead of having like in Lords of Hellas with like uh, 15 troops or whatever, you have like six um, main like units, um, but they each have like a number dial in them to determine their strength okay. for it. And you so know, it's this a- is kind of cool. I, I appreciate them not coming out with, you know, Lords of Hellas second edition and instead just coming out with basically a new game. This is because it gives you even more of. Like I feel, I would feel better about buying uh, Lords of Ragnarok over by over already having Lords of Hellas and buying Lords of Hellas Second Edition. Yeah, you know just because saying? it's kind of updated and refreshed. Yeah, yeah. And one of the big things I think is going to make the biggest difference is the way the board is set up, because uh, the board um, is kind of very reminiscent to that of Blood Rage, because uh, everyone is within one or two spaces of anywhere else on the board, because it's kind of a circular map, yeah, yeah. and then it has water regions all the way around it. So then your ships could easily move around and be around the board. Where in Lords of Hellas, oh, people at the top and now. bottom, yeah. People at the top and the bottom, and like unless you're playing with some some of the different port modules and stuff, you're very distant. So it's almost like people at the top of the map and bottom of the map are playing their complete own different games. Um, but they're still the same the similar wind conditions, area control, uh, monuments. Um, they have make monsters much more difficult to do. It's a wind condition still, but it's much much more difficult. Um, for what they're saying, obviously, we'll see in, in, in actual yeah. gameplay. And the one thing is that there are special Ragnarok trigger cards. Um, based on what players, excuse me, do during the game. Um, I don't know how many there may be out, three, four 
based on player count, but these are like conditions that players do these in the game and you activate them all, it triggers Ragnarok. And it turns into, I don't know all the full in-depth of the mechanic, but it essentially turns into kind of rush into the middle of the board to die Ooh, for glorious death. Yeah, so there's different ways the game can end. There can be traditional, or if people do a bunch of different things, it can trigger a special end condition where everyone's just kind of rushing the middle of the board. So um, like objectively, um, are you a bigger fan of like Mediterranean mythology or uh, Viking mythology, Norse mythology? Maybe it just depends on the day of the week because I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Brady, and I've been <laughs> absolutely loving it. Um, but I also equally love um, Viking and Norse mythology as well. And they um, just Didn't they just come out with a, yeah, an Assassin's Creed? Assassin's Creed Valhalla, yeah. Oh. And so I'm just living in these worlds if transporting you, if, so me to if another you, time and place. If you are making a Viking themed game, you got about basically two words to choose from. You got yeah. Ragnarok and Valhalla. There yeah. may be a couple of other ones, but yeah. that's the I, standard. I do feel like Vikings has kind of been the big kind of theme that people have been putting on a lot of fantasy games, mythic battles, Ragnarok, and stuff like that yeah. uh, lately. But uh, one of the things the reviewers have said is this seems to be a player count that's maybe more optimal at three versus maybe Lord of Hellas, where you need a higher player count. Um, and it also was a much longer game. This seems like it may be a little bit of a tighter, maybe a little bit shorter. They definitely have those, all been saying that it's a little bit good. It's cleaner and simplified rules. Uh, and so, hey, my philosophy is always say, if we don't like it, we can sell it. Sell it. That's yeah, right. And so why not try it out? Kickstarter with all kinds of exclusives <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Um, um, but some other just real quick kind of shout out the games that I'm looking forward to um, is of our boy Vladimir Suchi who has done stuff, stuff as Underwater Cities. Uh, he's also done uh, Praga, most recently, that we love. This company's Delicious Games is having a new game that's coming out uh, later this year. I don't know if it's going to be at Essen or a little bit later. It's called Messenia 1347. This is set in the time of the Black Plague Ooh, or the Black a, Death or whatever. That's a fun time. Um, and so I love, He's. I feel like he's putting a lot of focus on these like historical kind of settings and stuff. So essentially, we were playing as um, this Messenia families who are trying to leave the, the big populated cities of Italy, going into the countryside and trying to take people with us because we know this stuff is coming in. Um, and so it's a different setting than uh, I'd say we've played in any other games. Um, and obviously, we, I've loved his past several games that have come out. Um, so I will see. I mean, we obviously no idea what the game play uh, will be like or anything like that, but... I'm obviously excited for that. Have you seen, have you been looking at any of these other uh, kind of Essen release or anything that's coming up down the pipeline? No, I did. I've, I've kind of been a little distant with the releases and stuff because we, you know, it, we've had, we've been in uh, kind of COVID shutdown land as far as board games go. And so there hasn't been a whole lot of releases for the most part, or at least they haven't been at the forefront of everything. I have watched a couple of videos kind of announcing some releases, but nothing has really got me exceptionally excited. Yeah. One thing I'm looking forward to trying out is Unfathomable, which is essentially the reprint and reskin of Battlestar Galactica. Oh, um, really? Oh, yeah. That sounds fun. I've been tempted to drop the money to buy a copy of Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica. It's out of print, so is it's a little Fantasy pricey. Flight? Fantasy Flight, yeah. They've okay. lost, apparently lost the rights to it. Um, so that's coming out, but I think, I know Steven really loves Battlestar Galactica, I uh, know John has been wanting to play it. If um, they can streamline that a little bit, that would... Have you played I, it before? Be, yeah, yeah. 
Do you remember? I mean, do you remember your thoughts or opinions on it? I know it, it was w- a little, a little long for me. Yeah, um, I, I want to look too. I do think it was a long. If there's a way to kind of some variance to kind of cut down on that a little bit, because yeah. I don't need a three hour deduction game. Yeah, no. I, that's I enjoy the deduction game and getting into the theme, but I don't, I, I don't need to be yeah. three hours just because. Yep. Um, and then the last thing here before we kind of get main topic is. Dice Throne, which is a game you're not super hot on, but I know John and I are, is getting. This is a, like this. This one is funny because it's like the one game you would where never you expect. are fine with the dice. Every other game, you're like run away from dice, but this one is all about dice, and you guys for some reason love it. It's quick, yeah, and it's cool characters. Cool, it's the artwork is amazing. Yeah, and it's and it's fun trying to get those ultimates and trying to get this like mega death ability that just yeah, wipes yeah. out your opponents. But they're getting a Marvel reskin theme for it all the all unique characters uh some ones that they've already announced is black panther um captain marvel i'm sure they're gonna have is it gonna be like a big box where there's like eight. 16 of them or something i think no the well each season i think they've had eight in each season so i think uh, there's okay. gonna be eight i think i'm sure uh miles morales spider-man was announced as being one of them as well that's pretty dope yeah um i i, I i'm not sure captain um captain america iron man Hulk, some variations of those going to be in it as well. One that I was wanting to be in it the most was uh, Doctor Strange. He's one of my favorite MCU characters because he's just, he is bonkers, he's powerful, but you have like no limitations because he just lives in the reality of the expanse of the universe. So any type of setting and magical thing or alternate universe stuff, he works in. So like er the things you could do in the... um, in the scope of dice, there are so many different abilities and things. I know in one season they have like a pirate, then they have the cursed pirate. One thing you do with like big thing with Doctor Strange, you have Doctor Strange, but then maybe on the other side, an evil Doctor Strange because he's been taken over by the corruption of power. Um, I don't think he's going to make it in, sadly, but he's definitely a dark horse. Maybe they have extra well, they stuff have, you can add on. Yeah, but. they have an infinite number of expansion possibilities that they could do with that. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, I've got a couple more things to catch up on. First, I did. Um, go to have my friend's wedding up in Nashville. This is my friend Kyle, um, who and his uh, now wife Ashley are huge board gamers. These these this is my friend who proposed via telestrations, which is a, that's a man after my own heart right there. Um, but they had a more or less a board game themed wedding. Um, it was really. Uh, neat. They had all of the tables were set up like Catan tables, and so they had like yeah. a a desert table, um, brick table, wheat table, sheep table, all that kind of stuff with like there. And the seating arrangements were were really fun because you were tied to like, you know, the number on your table space, which correlates to the Catan numbers and all that kind of stuff. Um, And it was just really fun. We took, we took a couple of like wedding pictures. I was in the wedding party um, of us playing some board games and stuff like that. Um, So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to that. We, um, and it, this kind of sounds like I was doing a lot of stuff like going to a wedding with COVID. I wasn't doing that. The timing of all of this stuff was actually just fairly convenient as far as getting COVID goes. Um, I was able to make um, a lot of stuff happen, including the cabin trip in between getting COVID. Um, you've, all, you've also been having, uh, take, you've been taking a just crushing microbiology class. I remember back in undergrad taking yeah. microbiology <laughs> and it is just painfully just dreadful to memorize all these different yeah. classes of uh, 
bacteria, viruses, microorganisms? I don't know in my, like, originally going to school, I've always maybe done a little skimming on a textbook. But for this one class, I'm, like, legitimately having to read an entire textbook, and it is, it's painful. I don't, I don't like it. Um, okay, so the other thing is the game that I uh, kind of played and experimented with over the past couple of weeks is Twilight Struggle. Tell me about it, Brady. And you were hyping this game up because yeah. I think John had played it. Uh, Kyle, my buddy, who John's got played it several times. Um, or no, no, he's just played the one with me. We almost played it a second time, but we didn't have time to do yeah. it. And so we, the, Kyle had a copy and let me borrow it so I could play it. Um, and we got a game in, and you were hyping it up a little bit because I'm a he- I love Watergate, and you're saying this was Watergate on steroids. After several games, I am gonna let it go. I gave it back to Kyle. It it just didn't give me the same amount of tension as Watergate, which I know is sounds crazy. And if there's any like big gamer fans out there who love Twilight Struggle, I know they're probably just canceling our our podcast right now um but it just seemed a little too there seemed to be a lot of elements of like randomness with dice rolling and then like drawing cards from the same deck and half the cards you know possibly helping your opponent out more and that sort of thing and so i don't know it just didn't give me that same level of control and sort of mind gaminess that uh that Water game. Yeah, I, I I would say there's not as much mind gaminess because there's a much bigger deck, and even though it's the same deck we're both going through, and some more plays you get used to it, a lot of this tactical stuff is out on the board versus yeah, just I, the cards in your hand. Yeah, yeah. And I know that's kind of one thing you had frustration because we actually played two games back to back is um, because the, there's varying levels of risk you can choose to take. You can vary very no risk at all, just slowly putting influence. You can take a little bit of risk or higher risk. And it's all about positioning countries you have adjacent to the countries you're targeting, knowing when to do that, when it's optimal, um, hitting hard. And so it's going to be hard to retaliate back and knowing when to do that in certain key positions. Um, it's kind of part of it. And so, yeah, it, it can be, if you're not getting that, or maybe you haven't played as much, you can get kind of hit hard by the other player who who's kind of mitigating that risk and optimizing it a little bit. I do agree with you. The space track is probably the little silliest part of it you know spend a card of a certain value and then roll a dice and certain numbers will allow yeah. you to move up it and it is just it's absolute and complete yeah. random the only there just nothing you can do about yeah it. the only justification there is two justifications i do feel kind of it does kind of take away some of the sting is one it allows you to just get rid of a card uh that you don't want to play in your opponent's favor yeah. which is can be crucial because there are some cards that are in your opponent's favor that are just bonkers um and that's for both sides they're equally as bonkers for both sides so part of it is holding on to those until you have an opportunity to just get rid of them. And sometimes it's, I, I would take a, a turn. I don't do anything to prevent you from just wrecking shop in Europe. Yeah. Right. And then the second thing is there are victory points attached to it. Victory points are a luxury in the game to get. And the only times you're able to get those victory points outside, outside of a scoring round, they all have a bit of, of risk. You have to take for it. There are some cards in the game you have to roll and you're willing to risk something just to get one or two victory points. There's some victory points attached to the space track. So are you willing to risk, you know, spending a card and an action to get one or two victory points? Yeah. Um, it's kind of, so, so it's like, they can't just give you guaranteed victory points. I feel like just because they're so hard to get to come by. 
Yeah. So I gave Twilight Struggle what I would consider a good college try, and we it also, just didn't work out. You also played it online. I did. Digitally. Uh, the digital edition, which the digital edition, to be fair, is really great. Um, except. Except there's... No the, undo when, button. So in, a very important point in Twilight Struggle is that if anyone causes DEFCON 1 to go off, which is... Um, nuclear war or whatever, then they lose the game. So in the digital edition, for whatever reason, it does not warn you about an action that would cause cause that. It doesn't say you know come pop up with a thing that says you know are you sure you want to do this? Uh, this and is in the game. It doesn't do that. It's just as soon as you do yeah. it, it just pops up with this message that say says you lose. And so I was and there's no undo button either. Like yeah. scythe digital. Obviously, if you're playing competitively against other people, that's one thing. Um, but I know like in Root or in Scythe, they're great digital editions of the board games when you're just playing, you have an undo button. So you go, you could take yeah. that, that previous turn back, uh, which in, in your case, you played for an hour and a half, two hours or whatnot. And then boom, just Bam. without even I just realizing. I got that loose screen that popped up and I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? And it's just, just gut rich I and shut killing. my computer, <laughs> Try almost not, threw it out yeah. the window and I was done with it at that point. Um, but I am sort of on a little bit of a quest to find an epic uh, two-player game. Um, I, I just want something like Watergate that that is a little bit more substantial, a little bit more of like an evening experience type of thing. Do you want it to have the same feel of mind against mind tension type thing? Do you want it to be the same vein of game? Yeah, I, I don't know yet. And so one, so one, uh, the other one that fell flat for us that we've talked about on the podcast before was War of the Ring. Um, and then the other one that I'm considering um, is, and this might have something to do with the weekend, but I'm considering uh, Star Wars Rebellion, and yeah, that one is that's a one little I've more at, of a hide and seek game where yeah. one person is the Empire trying to find the rebel base, the other the other players the rebels, tr- you know, more or less trying to survive and um, uh, um and keep their rebel base hidden. Well, Brady, you buy it. I'll try it out with you. Okay, I'm gonna. I I, I think I might. Um, I know that's crazy because it's, it's a pretty expensive game. But we did, and we'll, we'll we might talk about this a little bit later. But we did play, um, Twilight Imperium over the weekend, and yeah. I was I'm a, probably a bigger fan of that than you are. But it did kind of get me hankering for like epic space, you know, saga play type of stuff. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where we've that's kind of where we've been for the past couple weeks yeah and we definitely like we mentioned we got a bunch of new games in that we're playing stuff and so they'll kind of be uh coming down the pipeline so we'll hopefully have some good recommendations for you oh, but definitely Egizia shifting sand is one of them yeah and i hit a big milestone Are, with a know, little bit of an asterisk no 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 no, no. not an asterisk at all but our goal this year was to play at least 365 games trying to trying to get an average a day and uh, Saturday night at the cabin trip, I hit 365 games. So, how many of those were Liar's Dice? Liar's Dice has really taken me by storm. So, maybe 40 of those were 40 separate games of Liar's Dice. But hey, I mean, you know, that's a great game. It's probably going to be my yep. number one of all time. I have 322. Ooh, um, wow, where have you been? Well, I've been playing forty. I haven't been playing forty games of Liar Dice, and uh, a lot of yours did come from Liar's Dice and from the crew. But hey, 
Yeah. They're games. Games. Yeah. Those are games. My hubris, <laughs> my hubris must be I enjoy heavy Euros. Yeah, yeah. Um, but speaking of heavy Euros and other games like that, we have always had this kind of inner debate in our group of player optimal player counts for games. I know Brady in the past has been a proponent for give me the max player count, let's yeah. go with it. David, on the other hand, has been a pro proponent of fewer is yeah. better in most games. Um, the rest of it's kind of fallen in between. But I think Brady has had a little bit of a shift in his perspective I've lately. Been, I've been, um, yeah, that 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 belief has been kind of evolving lately. Yeah, when I was in college and even now, I am a little bit, I guess, I don't know, a, maybe a little bit of an extrovert, but I just like... You know, when it comes to board games, I love hanging out with my friends. And so it's like the more, the merrier for the most part. And so it's like yeah. if, the, if the box says, you know, two to six, I want six people there. Yeah. I want the full experience. It's, you know, I kind of, it's almost like I relate. If I go to watch a movie and the movie's two and a half hours long, I don't want to watch two hours of it. I want to watch the full movie. And so I feel like with the board yeah. games, you know, at least initially, I was like, well, if you're playing with less than the max capacity you're you're getting a portion of the experience not the whole experience and so that has uh developed a little bit where yeah. i we you know just um simply we played and this probably won't be on our list but i played we played um terraforming mars which is the three of us at the cabin trip and it was real snappy and it was like almost every time i turned around it was my turn and it felt really good and um the uh, you kind of had a little bit more time to develop a strategy because you weren't like rocketing up on any of the uh, the terraforming Mars stipulations or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I was kind of like, okay, like I can see the argument for an ideal player count being, because um, I always I always give David a hard time when he goes, you know, when we're at, wanting to play a game and he goes, ooh, I don't know if I can play that at four players. Three yeah, players is the sweet spot. Yeah. I kind of roll my eyes. <laughs> well, I've definitely been a proponent that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they put solo modes and up to six players on these board games to yeah. sell more copies. Solo mode does absolutely kill me. I game we need to now there are games that are only solo but then a lot of these games I don't know especially on Kickstarter if you don't put a solo mode on your Kickstarter game apparently everyone in yeah, the yeah, yeah. in their in their brothers upset with you which i do not think just, is true it's I, just a vocal minority i am a proponent that gamers really do just need to go out and make more friends um and i know that some gamers can like be in rough positions and i'm very thankful for our game group where they don't have like people to consistently play with um but like I said, for me, I would be out there grinding to find people to play with rather than playing a solo mode. That is just, that is not me. Yeah. And I think one of, for me, the driving factors for player count, because I don't, I don't think that um, player six versus three player count means I'm only getting half the experience. I think a lot of times I'm getting more of the experience at a lower player count because um, one of the big things for me in the games is downtime. And downtime doesn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. downtime doesn't necessarily mean the time between my turns. It's a time where I'm not engaged or needing to be engaged in what's going on because it just doesn't matter. Yeah, um, we, we I'm okay with some of that, but um, like like we just mentioned, Gizia, I was fully engaged twenty four. I mean, just the entire time, just because every move and everything everyone else was doing had an impact on what yeah. I was doing. And, and a lot played, of the we played Twilight Imperium. 
um, which was it's awesome. It's it's a it's a an experience of uh, a game, and uh, but there was a lot of downtime. And if you are not in the running for winning, you have significantly less um, reason to be engaged in other people's turns. If you're, if you're, if you like me and you are going at it and we're, we're kind of neck and neck, I have a reason to be engaged with your turn and watching what you do and kind of trying to figure out what you're trying to do. But if you're, you know, four or five points behind it, it yeah. kind of doesn't matter. I mean, point. it was a six and a half hour game at six players. And I, maybe actually had like, hey, Matthew, this is what you are actually doing stuff in the game, maybe 25 minutes of actual gameplay yeah. that I was doing. And I don't feel that's an exaggeration. And that game, it, there's no reason for it to go that long. I, honestly, I feel like the reason why it lasts so long is because the player order is not, you know, clockwise. People are constantly forgetting it's their turn. Yes, and so you... it. it it would really cut down on the time, actually, if you had like a referee standing at the table that like you know points and goes, "It's your turn," or or, or something you, know. you passed. Yeah. Or um, something and the passed. thing is, I, I think I get really frustrated, and I know that comes across, and I think it's misconstrued as frustration with the the game itself because I actually enjoy the epic nature of the game. The thing that kills me is not that just someone comes and just hurts my position; it's the fact that I I sat at that table for two and a half hours. It took. 60 seconds, two minutes to destroy that. And I know it's going to take another two hours to get back just because it takes yeah, so yeah. long. And to me, I wasn't frustrated that you came in and did that. I was frustrated because I'm going to sit here at this table for another two hours trying to come back at you. Where yeah, yeah. we played Cyclades and like you came in and did stuff, but like I know I'm going to be able to quickly do something back without yeah. sitting for forever. I think, and that was the most frustrating part is like it just takes so long to get in a position. And then not it. I mean, hey, people just don't want to let you win, right? I understand that. And so, you know, I took Mechatol Rex in the middle. Jacob came back in. I was like, I get it. He's trying to win. But the thing is, like, it's just after three hours of the game, and then I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm in a crippling position. Now it's going to take forever to get back into it. It's just it was frustrating that like yeah. I think anyone I think anyone fairly has a hard time staying engaged with the game when they basically know they can't win, and you know it does take almost. 15 minutes to get back around to your turn. So, yeah. Well, let's get into, uh, we made a list, I think at least four here for each of us of games with ideal player count. And so a lot of these games I'll actually play at multiple player counts. I'm not asterisk with like, I will only play that. Yeah. Uh, at some, we're not, we're not crazy. People. Yeah. Um, most times I will choose to stay away from a game at two players, even though it does do it because a lot of these games, especially euros, or have like heavy rules overhaul for a two player experience. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. so I was like, hey, let's, I'm the type of saying, hey, we got six here. Hey, we got all here. Let's just find a game to match that. Right. Instead of saying, hey, you can't come over because we're like, we're only playing a three player game tonight. Sorry, sorry, your other three friends. You just can't be involved. Yeah. I don't like that. Hey, let's all get together. Let's find a game for that. But my first one, Psych Brady, it is Terraforming Mars. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. I love this game at every player count. I've played it solo, two, three, four, even five players. Um, I enjoy them all. They all play differently. Um, and I think it's a game that scales with player count fantastically. But three players, I believe, is where it shines the most. Um, because you're right. Because in a four or five player game, um, there could be 10, even though the four other players take 
take their turns. They can do two actions. So there could be eight actions that are taken before it gets back to your turn. And those tracks can go whoop, those yeah, parameters, right, right. and it just skyrockets. And you can miss playing a card that has a yeah, parameter-specific thing on it. With, like how popular that, that game is, it is interesting that there is no like scalability on the board per player count. Yeah, well, one of the expansions, Venus Next, um, adds a fourth parameter. Oh, um, it does. Okay. It it does, and it may be. I haven't played it yet. It's on my. I always have a list of things I want to buy. Um, yeah. but it it doesn't trigger in game, but it is something you can interact with to get bonuses. Um, and get up the terraforming rating. It doesn't trigger in game like the other ones do, but it's something that still allows you to interact with it when the other ones are maxed out. And I think it may be good at a four or five player count okay, versus okay. a two or three player count. But at a three player count, you just have it plays the same amount. It, the gameplay isn't like sh way shorter or way longer or anything, um, but you just have more opportunity to sink your teeth into your engine a little bit. So the play time is comparable, maybe a little bit less. But the thing is, without those two extra, one extra, two extra players, you maybe get an extra round or two or some more actions to really sink into your engine. The drafting is really quick and snappy. Turns move around. There's no downtime because, you know, you take your action, you're looking at your card while doing next, and then it's going to get back to you because everyone else did their turns. Uh, so with the 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 this the play time, the amount that you're actually able to dive into the mechanics of your engine, get things going. Uh, Mars still gets well terraformed and everything. I just think that, you know, I'll, I'll still play at any player count. It's like, hey, we got three players. What or something that we want to play that's really good at three player count? Terraform Mars is going to be on the list. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was on my list of games that really seeing at a particular player count. And of course, these are very subjective, right? Yeah. What is one for me is different for you. But that's yeah, my first and one. I'm, Terraform I'm Mars. just a little more lenient. Like, I, I, there are aspects that I enjoy it at a lower player count, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of like you where it's like I'm I'm not gonna because you, you still know, want some of the tension for the parameters, right? You uh, you still want that tension and everything with it, but I yeah. just enjoy the snappiness of I'm it. I'm just not gonna you know if we're if we have five people and we're like hey let's play terraformers, I'm not gonna like turn my nose. Oh, I'll say them. let's do it. Yeah. So my next one is a little bit interesting because it comes in a deceptive uh, party game looking box party game sized box even um and it looks like it kind of kind of reminds me of um code names uh which is a party game that you can like theoretically play with everybody um but this is decrypto and for this i think um i can have a guess what your player count is sure six six got is the perfect player count yeah. um two it could work and Four could work. I'd probably rather, or sorry, not two. Um, two teams of two. Two teams yeah. of two, yeah. So four two, players. Four players could work, um, but it probably wouldn't be as fun to, to converse yeah. with only Because I player. say all the time, I love team play in games, but the one criticism I have of Decrypto is we have played like a two-hour game of Decrypto yes, before. Yes, and it, when you add that fourth player on each team, it really starts to drag out because then, you know, it, uh, you kind of want everybody to feel included and so you're like okay well what do you think what do you yeah. think what do you think over there and so that's just a little too much yeah. i think this is a like i like i don't think this is a party game this is a very it's, it's light, a light strategic game yeah light strategic game it, it has a lot of subtle a lot of subtlety to it and there's also i love it because there's a chance for like the meta right what do we our friends are familiar with what are yeah. clues we can put in there so what's great about three player one person's doing the clue all that kind of stuff and then the other two then is talking. Yep. So everyone 
who's not doing the clue is still collaborating with someone else. Yes, exactly. And so six players is the perfect one. This is almost a game where I am... I am like refusing to play it at any other player count or I'm like that specific. Person. Yeah. Like it's gotta be six, four players. You don't have anyone to collaborate with. And then four, when you're doing with eight players, it's just too many. It's Cause you have to do many. even team. So you can't do anything like at five or seven player counts. Yeah. I guess technically you could. Um, yeah, but, but this is, this is a great one. Gotta be at a specific player count though. All right. My number two. Um, and some may call me a madman for this Brady. Um, but I the mean, last time we played this, we played it at a player account. I had never played it before, and I absolutely loved it more than we'd ever played at any other time, uh, just because just the dynamics at the table and everything going on, and that is Power Grid at five to six players, oh maybe especially at six players. Uh, I loved it at the six-player count. It would really. It didn't play longer. Shocking to me. Yeah, it didn't play. I was. I thought this was going to be a five-hour game of Power Grid. I was. I was emotionally ready to die on. No, it scales very. It scales. It was just as snappy, but the the bidding, the there was so much table talk about. We can't let this guy get this uh, power plant because he's just going to shoot ahead of us, and Mm -hmm. we got to do this. And so there was a lot more of that kind of collaborative table talk of trying to balance the game with all. Of the bidding system and going out there on the board, um, I I loved it. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it played just as well, just as snappy. There was also a lot more tension. I felt like at where your placement is in the turn order, actually, I felt like I was thinking about that a lot more because I definitely don't want to be the last one buying resources because you're going to get hosed. And yeah. so it, it put a priority of like, I got to calculate exactly where my placement is so I don't get on the wrong end of this purchasing track. And I it, it didn't play longer. So that... That was my only thing that could have been a criticism if this was like a three-hour game of Power Grid. It wasn't. Yeah. It was a 90-minute to two-hour game of Power Grid, which well, wasn't crazy. I'm going to fire back at you because my number two is Power Grid, and I like it best at four players. Now, my only complaint with this, and Igizu was a great example of this, is it kills me in Power Grid that they do not have scaled maps in it and that like the officially balanced yes and if you play with a lower player count you just randomly out a region on the map and i that it's messy i don't know unbalanced i would say yeah unbalanced one person usually ends up just getting stuck in a terrible position um and they you know it kind of they have to work their way out of that or you know assess whether or not they're willing to do that or compete with everybody else um but yeah, I like it better at four. Um, it is kind of nice that you can play like a heavier economic game with six players. Um, and so I, I I wouldn't say no to it, um, especially because there really isn't a whole lot of heavy games you can play with six players. Yeah, that is true. Um, like we're definitely not dropping out City of the Big Shoulders or, or Barrage or yeah. or Brass at six players. That would uh, that would be a nightmare. Yeah, right? and so it's Even kind of nice that, that you have that option, but... For me, the way the power um, plants work, um, where the when you're playing at four players, the end game trigger is 21 power or 21 cities. And so you just have to think about and be a lot more um, selective with your power plants at that number. Because um, if you, you know, if you're buying three and four, production power plants and those are not going to last you to the end game yeah. where um so you have to get like five six and seven level ones and so to me it just 
adds a much more interesting strategy where you're like, oh, do I want to waste getting this three yeah. power plant when I know I'm going to have to give it up I, later? I also feel like it adds more tension on the board itself at a higher player account as well because more people are because there's you're, only three places that can be built on them, right? Each, each yeah, location. Yeah, yeah. And so they got six players. And so you really got to make sure that you're trying to create a little bit of a yeah. wall and distance between you and the other place. And also, too, it's hard to find a good medium weight Euro that plays six players. Yeah. Uh, I we, know it's, it's hard. And so that's just kind of like, hey, man, this sings at six. When we got six players, y'all want to play a Euro? Mm -hmm. Do Power, Power Grid. And this one, Power Grid is just an, a game that needs an updated version a legit My a yeah, legit deluxe a edition good updated version there are a lot of deluxe artwork. resources you can get i definitely like if you wanted to yourself uh you can get all deluxe components yeah. for it you can get upgraded money components however you wanted to do that uh Power something a little bit is nice great it's timeless and it it just needs a a, a better version we, we really need this yep. all right what's your next one my number three um is I think this may have been the first time I played it at this player count because I've always played it at four, um, but uh, this is the first time I played it at three, and it was just a, a wholly different and much better experience, and that is Mombasa. Oh, really? Uh, playing it at three is just such a different feel than a four-player game because uh, the main premise is that uh, we are not the factions on the board. We are interacting with them and trying to do some area control and go up different tracks to align ourselves. But sometimes in a four-player game, things can just go crazy on that board with everyone's exploration actions. And I feel in a three-player game, it's a lot more tactical by the time things get back to your turn and you have a chance to do, interact with the central map of Africa with those uh, companies. Again, that like sometimes you play Mombasa at a four-player account and things can be radically different uh, from round to round based on so many different people doing exploration actions yeah. where they felt a lot more tactical um, with it because you just weren't relying some, on someone else just to do something crazy. If you wanted that corporation to have more influence, you had to do it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it was a lot tighter with at three players um, as well. And also it cut down a little bit of the time, but it also had just as much, if even more tension. Um, and it's a Fisher game that we don't get played as much as we should. I know John loves it. I can't. I don't remember what your feelings on it were, but um, if we're looking for a Euro at three player counts that sings, that's great player time, 60 to 90 minutes. Mombasa at three players is really good. Um, I think Great Western's Trail is still best at four, but I think Mombasa, if we got three players, is a great option for that. Okay, so... Um, my next one is uh, Spectre Ops, and this. I'm very is, curious of what your answer is going to be for this. So this box says two to five players. Oh, yes. you'd be out of your mind to play at five players. Yes, yes. And so I have, and when you add the fifth player, there's this very complicated traitor mechanism in the game, and not needed at all. Not needed at all. This was one of them that I'm like, you. Should have never put that number on can I, there. Can I guess what your number is? Sure. Three. Uh, no, it's actually, I'm going to say what? four. Really? I would play it at three. Um, but I think it's just an interesting four-player game. Um, and really, I would just, I would cut out two and five. Um, it probably could be an interesting two-player game, but you're just, you're not really... Um, like collaborating with other players again. Like it, yeah. it is fun as the agent 
to do something and be like, I hope they don't figure it out. And it's kind of amazing what people can do when they are both looking at the board and collaborating and going, oh, no, 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 wait, he could be yeah. over here. And I think one of the coolest experiences playing as the traitor or the, per- the person hiding is when you hear one person say, hey, I think they're here. And you're like, yes. oh, no, they found me. And then the other two people talk them out of it. Yes. And they go somewhere else. And, and that's that, pretty cool. like surviving that dialogue is fun and you wouldn't get it with with just playing one person at the other end of the table where they're just like, no, I think you're over here. Yeah. Um, that you wouldn't just be having to endure that painful conversation while they talk about where you could possibly be. And someone put, points out exactly where you are and you're like, oh, please, please talk him out of that. I'm talking out of going over there. Um, and this one, uh, so if, I think it's a little more balanced at three players, a little easier for the agent. Um, at four players, it is really hard for the agent to win but for whatever reason i am okay with that in this game i kind of like am up to the challenge and i kind of like that it's almost like the the hunter's game to lose um and yeah i I, this is one that i i want to play a little bit more the rules can be a little um convoluted so you need someone who knows the rules back and forth to be playing the agent otherwise um, people can like accidentally misstep on the rules and it just throws the whole thing into chaos. Um, but I, I love Spectrum. The only push, you're the one who champions this game, I think, more than anyone else. The only pushback I have at this is, is it really that great of a game if you only ever want to play it as the the person, the, the spy or the, the the hidden one? Well, and that's the thing you, you, you all, you've said before, like you really only ever want to play that as like, is it really it's not that? necessarily that I only want to play it because it's the most fun position. It's I only want to play it because I know the rules best out of everybody, and it can it can really mess up the game to not know the rules. And as the agent, like if I if I'm playing as a hunter and someone's playing as an agent, they can they can't really go, hey Brady, what are the rules on this without giving away where they are wanting to go, and yeah. so. If someone, I, I I do like playing as a hunters, but the I have to know that the person playing as the agent knows the rules and is not yeah. going to mess something up. I think as a group we enjoy the concept of hidden movement. I still don't feel like we found the hidden movement game. Yeah. Have you taken a look at a game? I think it's been it was kickstarted. I think it may have gotten to backers yet, so I don't know if it's available secondhand or retail yet. But mind management. I have not. Have you taken a look at this one? You need mind management. You need to write it down. You need to I take love a look movement. at it. It's hidden movement. It's in a kind of a concept of an espionage um, type setting. Um, and you have someone going out here trying to recruit these spies or rogue agents and stuff on the board. But it incorporates iconography, imagery, because uh, the board is kind of all kind of crazy, kind of um, art styles. I guess it's kind of 70s ish theming to it. Um, I haven't done a deep dive on the rules and mechanics, but I think it integrates a lot of stuff like uh, iconography and locations and placements on the board and trying to figure out where people are in relations to certain clues yeah. on the board. Write it down. You need to take a look at it. Tell me what you think. Um, but I definitely think it's one it, that I would uh, really Is it like. currently released? I, I'm not sure. I know it's yeah. like I'm, it's gone through it's all of its Kickstarter game found process and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if it has gotten. I feel like it's gotten to people because people have gotten a chance to play it. Yeah, I'm looking, putting reviews I'm, on it. I'm really looking forward to Cryptid Urgent uh, Urban Legends, which is a two, two player version of Cryptid. I think where one person is hiding as the 
cryptid and the other person is trying yeah. to find them. That so that's one, very interesting. Yeah. That one's going to come down the pipeline. We're going to get in trial. It, it's not available yet, I don't yeah. believe. No, no, no. But yeah, look, check into that one, mind management. I will. Let me know what you think of it because I think that I, some for some of the reviews that I've, I've seen on people are loving it as a hidden movement game. Uh, just because the way it just it twists your perspective on how you're interacting versus just a like letters for Whitechapel, I the reason why I enjoyed it is the reason why people also hate it, it is very bland, right? Yeah, very simple, straightforward. It's, it's like straightforward. Uh, that's, I kind of enjoy because it it's just mind against mind, but it's also very blah, and you don't want the game to go on for very long, right? Yeah, there's um, a, there's a give and take with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think we're our last ones here. Um, you did that for. Uh, Spectre Ops, my last one is Dice Throne. You just mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, this is a technically a game you can play up to six players, uh, which I think is ridiculous. You can do dice, teams. Dice, oh, dice Throne. Dice Throne. Dice yep, you can play everyone individually, King of the Hill type style, or you can do team play. It is talk about downtime in between turns. It yes. gets ridiculous. Even when you do 2v2, it, the downtime, and it doesn't really, it's kind of tacked on, I feel like, where the game sings is the 1v1. Um, yeah. Even a lot of player abilities are kind of senseless in a multiplayer game. Like some players have a mechanic where they can heal themselves instead of doing damage. Well, the thing is in a King of the Hill type mechanic where three or four people are playing, you're incentivized for attacking the person who has the most health because you get a card bonus. Yeah. So if you heal yourself, you're just going to be attacked anyways by everyone else <laughs> right yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. And so like characters where that's a kind of a core mechanism is instead of doing damage, you try just to heal yourself and then your opponent tries to equally damage you back. It's kind of not there. Um, some some characters maybe do do better in a higher player account, but I think for the most part, the game sings back and forth, back and forth. What are players doing? Reacting with your cards. I I will play it at three. I have no desire to ever play it as a team setting. The most I'll play it is three, but if you, hey, especially John and I love this. The Marvel version is going to come out. I'm sure we're both going to get it. Yeah. Um, it's just, I need to give this one a couple more tries. I do kind of hate on it. A little bit, and the yeah, diff. I, I, I do think the make or break difference between enjoying it is having cards and holding cards in your hand that let you. Hey, I'm about to hit you with a ten attack, uh, dice roll here. You having a card in your hand that either shields it or forces me to do rerolls, and that's kind of where the strategy is holding onto those cards until yeah, you yeah. really need them. Um, but for me, it's it's a two player game. Um, I feel like a lot of times John and I find ourselves in two player settings because we're a little bit have a little more free time than some of the uh, the other guys. And so games like that, we can play real yeah. quick after a game, before another game, play a couple of them back to back, and and, it's, and it sings. Yeah. So my last one before we wrap up here is, and this one really is a more the merrier type of thing, and that's Telestrations. Oh I gosh. love Telestrations. You hate Telestrations. We are of a course. board game podcast, Brady. Telestration is not a board game. It's a fun it's activity. I love it. But... I want this at max capacity, more than like possibly more than any other game. It is just not fun at lower player counts. And what's funny is that they have released like three different versions of this game at six, eight, and twelve. And you know, they there's not a huge difference in price for those. So there there is no reason why you should ever buy the six or eight, just buy the 12 and then you could play six or eight. Like the, it's just yeah, so that silly sense. that they release different versions of this game. Yeah. So you got to buy the party pack, baby, the 12 player party pack. Um, and I will occasionally play this at like 10 maybe or 11, 
but it it's just so much fun because the every um, notebook goes on such a grand journey when it goes through twelve different players' hands, and this is this is one that will I'll always love. I will always laugh hysterically playing. Do you this enjoy game. it for the the just the 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 fun, yeah, the fun yeah. of it, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, we, I, I've never played a game of this where you, where we keep score in it, yeah. Or whatever. I guess to to me, it's it's. I don't have a problem with like, hey, let's we have a group of eight, ten, twelve players. It's just I like there's. I feel like there are games. I'd rather play a twelve game player game of Liar's Dice than um, illustrations. Well, this one is good, and I've what I've noticed with this one is I've brought this to a few different actual parties because I'm that cool. Um, and where like not, not everyone knew each other. And this one just almost like instantly makes best friends out of like a random group of people. Cause you don't have yeah. to talk. You don't even necessarily have to know each other that well to be able to, you know, yeah. turn this, you know, cat riding a bicycle into something other, you know, crazy. And so by the end, you all have this hilarious story you can tell. There's no pressure really on you because uh, to, to be funny or whatever, because it's just on the notebook. All the funny stuff just happened on the notebook. And you're kind of just walking everyone through that. Yeah. So I've had several um, like parties that I go to where I don't know everybody. You know, it can be a little awkward, but by the end of the Telestrations game, everyone is laughing hysterically. Um, that we all have something in common now that we can talk about. And yeah, it's uh, I Telestrations is a is a device rather than a board game. I do agree. Yeah, it, it is a good game if you say people don't know each other well. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that's kind of where we're trying. You know, in in my years now that I've been getting older, I celebrated wow. my birthday last week. Congratulations. 27. In my wisdom of my years, I've been reconsidering some games that I've never would consider playing before. Have you ever looked at the game uh, Play Mountains of Madness? Mountains of Madness or Mountain of Mad Mountain Mountain of Madness. Um, no, I have never. I don't think I've ever heard of this game. Well, let me look. Pull this up. Make sure I'm just calling it right. Mountains of Madness. Yeah. So I remember several years ago I watched uh, the Dice Tower play this. So the premise is that it's a. From what I remember, it's a cooperative game designed by Rob Daviau, who did a lot of stuff like with these other cooperative games we play. And you're trying to go up and travel up to the top of this mountain and find this kind of mystical artifact. But the thing is, as we're trying to, uh, you know, meet objectives and uh, events and stuff, you know, uh, to get to this top of the mountain, we're slowly losing our insanity. And so what happens to you, uh, remember, you take damage or things happen to you, you mm -hmm. get these cards, these madness cards that give you specific conditions of things you can and can't do. Um, so like one, and there's different degrees of madness of like stuff. So like, and the, and the video that I watched, there was one card and things you can't tell people what your card is. So they don't know like what your how is. to interpret yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. So like one, uh, person was having to speak their sentences backwards. Um, I remember that, um, uh, Z Garcia, he had to go and stand in a corner and yell, uh, when he's trying to communicate, he oh, couldn't look at the like board. One of these games, okay. Yes. So it's like Quelf, but maybe a little bit more, more gamer. Quelf drives me up the wall. That's just one of those. Games but I remember watching that. I was like, man, that seems so silly and stupid. But they were laughing and having a lot of fun, and I was laughing watching it. Remember, and that, and that's always stuck with me for these yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And that um, does sound. Pretty it's fun. a game that I would leak. Try it once, right? Yeah, yeah. For, for, it's, a, it's a night we don't feel like doing anything super heavy. Maybe instead of Gloomhaven or anything like that, it doesn't play for very long sixty to ninety minutes, uh, three to five players. But um, it was just I remember watching that and it seemed really funny. 
for the different levels of it. And it's a cooperative game. Um, but like I said, in my years of wisdom, I've started, I've been reconsidering some of those games where yeah. I said, that doesn't seem like a good game, game but it may be a fun experience yeah. every now and then to throw in. Um, and so I've been seriously considering maybe getting, I feel like this is definitely something that David would be all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was looking at that and I was like, you know what, when I was getting my board games, I don't know if I should put that, but that's my list. I may pull the trigger and do that just for one night. If we're just not feeling something super heavy, just for a little Mountains bit different cooperative. Madness. Yeah. That Mount, sounds fun. Sounds of madness. You could take, take a look at the uh, gameplay. The dice tower did. It came out in 17. So it's about four years old now. Uh, Brady always keeps a little list here during the podcast to write down my good suggestions. Um, but it's not a very complicated game. You're trying to go up the mountain, find different paths, complete a little different objectives, skill checks with different resource cards. But you have to, I don't know if there's a timer mechanism to it. And so you're, yeah, that's, I think that's part of the tension is you're, tr- you, you're have a timer each round. So you're trying to communicate, but your ability to communicate with each other gets harder and harder as you lose your mind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Something different, something fun. And as you're talking about that kind of brought it up a laugh for the experience. Cause sometimes yeah, yeah. like, Hey, uh, like when we had a game night or kind of for my birthday last week, you know, we, instead of Gloomhaven night, we did some of those like, Hey, it's been a long yeah. day at work. Let's just play some, some fun, stuff. some fun stuff real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that can, uh, so that may be something to add to the list. All righty. Well, that is probably going to wrap it up. We just want to thank everybody for sticking with us, even though we went kind of uh, MIA for like two weeks. So we're going to be, we're back on COVID. Hey, listen, even on the seventh me, day, God rested, man. Yeah, We've yeah. been 40 episodes in. Um, so yeah, I, looking forward to many more. I'm still trying to talk Brady into having us do kind of a top 50 countdown for like the last five episodes of the year. Having kind of a kind of a countdown of our you know top fifties and having yeah. some of the other guys on, we will yeah we'll we'll we're, we're continuing to develop that. I am not one to like lock in a top you know game. What well, changes? Time so list. like what we what it could be is that we each collectively. John is a wizard when it comes to Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, he he loves it. He does deep dives on all the algorithms to get your numbers and stuff. If he like made a big list of maybe 100, 150 games of our most played that we have logged, and we go in there and do like a, a rank of one to five, and then based on that, he calculates as a group our top 50. Yeah, yeah. And then we can go through there kind of breaking breaking that down. An idea, but yeah. I'm still, I'm, audience, I'm still trying to work on Brady because I know everybody loves top 50, top 100 type reviews and everything. Yeah, we'll, I we'll get them. there towards the end of the year. All right, well, that's going to be it for this week's episode. As always, I'm Matthew. I'm Brady. And this has been The, the discussion, discussion Phase. phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the discussion phase. If you enjoy our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at the discussion phase for new posts and reviews. You can also join in on the discussion. Let us know what you think about any of our topics or subjects at the discussion phase at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody.